Hello, and welcome to another episode of Ramblings of Self-Discovery. Um, today I was going to chat a little bit about my first um, sexual experience after my husband and I split, <clears throat> which was, uh, it was scary and exciting, um, almost surreal. Uh, I had no idea about anything truly. Still, I was quite naive. <clears throat> it might be, it seems like an odd concept to think of a fully grown adult as naive, especially one who uh, has been married for 20 years, but uh, it truly was the case for me. Um, <laughs> I just have to laugh at myself part of, partly out of embarrassment and, <clears throat> excuse me, partly out of just, I mean, it's a bit comical. Uh, oh darn, I forgot to put my garbage out. Oh well, uh, I'm, just, I'm just making myself <clears throat> some coffee and looked out the window and see that I think this is the second week in a row I missed garbage day. So maybe the trucks will be slower because it's a nice storm. Anyway, um, yeah, early on in my single uh, release into the single chaotic world of middle-aged adults, um, I did have these... Pardon me, I do not know what's going on with my throat at the moment. Um, had these friends who were kind of like single friend Sherpas. I'll call them that. They were actually quite great. One of them, especially. <clears throat> and um, they would often invite me out. Um, yes, actually the same, the same pair of friends who invited me out and uh, had the the weird experience back at the other guy's house. <clears throat> Good grief. Um, they were quite uh, involved in, in extracting me out of my withery, depressive shell. Um, so... Uh, my husband and I split on January 1st, <laughs> which I later found out to be a pretty big day in the, <clears throat> excuse me, in the arena of relationship breakup. Oh, nice coffee. And I didn't know that until I had dug around a bit on the internet and I may have even heard that on the radio. <coughs> Excuse me again. Um, I guess that's not shocking if you really think about it, that after the Christmas holidays and all the stressors there and New Year's and everything, I think it kind of acts as a, maybe not a boiling point, or, or maybe, but it brings things to the surface. And things that are already tense, relationships that are already 
under tension may find that they've kind of hit the limit of uh, what they can tolerate. So perhaps we were in that category. Um, it seems we were or, or, or have been. So, yep, New Year's Day. Um, and I'll probably circle back to how the whole breakup went down because that may be interesting to tell. I'm not sure. <laughs> I've, I certainly found it interesting to live it. Um <clears throat> And I'm not saying at all that I was uh, faultless because there's, I don't, I think it's very rare that a relationship breaks up and one person is all to blame and the other one is, has no fault. <clears throat> so, um, so the first Valentine's Day after I was um, split from my husband, my friends invited me out and I, I, I wasn't in any mood to be anywhere on Valentine's Day. Certainly, um, certainly I wasn't looking for anything. And, um, oh gosh, they, I think they were just trying to get me out. So I went out and had, you know, peeled myself out of my bedroom <clears throat> And, uh, goodness, I'm sorry. Excuse me. We went to the same pub, which ended up being one of my favorite places to go. Not because of how it fostered a few strange and new experiences, but because it was kind of like, uh, if you ever watched the show Cheers with Ted Danson and Kirstie Alley. It had a feel like that where everyone kind of knew each other or a lot of regulars knew each other. And uh, I suppose I became a regular, but I, I don't think anyone knew me. They probably just saw my face. Um, but it was just very cozy. It wasn't, you know, people weren't happy to say I do not go dressed in yoga pants and plaid tops. Um, anyway, so this, this pub we went to... <clears throat> On Valentine's Day, I brought myself a a prop to hold on to, like a, sec- a security thing. I will admit it was a Rubik's cube, um, bit of a bit of a Rubik's cube nut over the years. And so I took that. I know it's very strange, but. It gave me a sense of security, something to do with my hands, um, was a distraction and perhaps a an emotional icebreaker or uh, diversion. And um, <laughs> my, fr- my friends and I were sitting at a table and then I was, uh, you know, engrossed in my Rubik's Cube for a few minutes and I looked up and they were gone somewhere around the pub chatting with people they're both very chattable chatty and um there was another table of gentlemen who walked in and my friend had asked me i guess this is a common question for them because they asked me who did i think was the cutest 
or hottest at this table. So I pointed some man out <clears throat> who uh, looked pretty good from the outside anyway. And then um, a little while later, after they had disappeared and left me at the table with my Rubik's Cube, uh, I look up again and this man that I had pointed out was standing beside me asking me a question about my Rubik's Cube, which even now I'm not quite sure what he was saying. Um, he might have asked me, can I solve it? And of course the answer is yes, of course I can. It would be weird to take it to a place and not be able to solve it. <clears throat> so he sat down beside me, shockingly, um, or bravely. <laughs> Maybe he was just curious. I have no clue. I don't even know if my friends told him to come and sit down with me. I'm actually going to have to ask <clears throat> ask uh, if if they did that because it's it's a total coincidence if they didn't that the one I pointed out is the same man who came and sat beside me asking me questions. Uh, anyway, um, we chatted a little bit and he was handsome looking. Turns out he was a fireman in a different city. So maybe I've <laughs> cut that the fireman feather in my cap or notch in my belt. Not that I was notching anything or feather capping anything. Um, I'd have to have some knowledge in order to even have a, a motive to do that, but I was just shocked he was talking to me. Um, I don't think I had any self-confidence at this point. I, I know I didn't. And I uh, was pretty shocked anyone was talking to me at all. But he seemed nice enough. We ended up talking about um, pie. <laughs> he might have asked me what some of my skills were, to which I think my reply was, I'm a really good apple pie maker, which I am. Uh, I haven't made one in years, but my mother taught me when I was younger how to make homemade apple pies. And so I definitely can do that quite well. Um, I used to make them before Christmas and then drive around with a Santa suit on and give them out to people on Christmas morning, which was a source of contention with my then-husband. Um, but it was only after the kids were done opening presents, so I didn't see the issue. Anyway... I digress. Um, I'm chatting with this uh, tall, hunky fireman um, and talking about how great I am at making apple pie. And uh, he says that's his favorite his favorite pie. And so, <laughs> lucky me, um, I can make his favorite pie is what I think I was thinking or something, or not thinking anything. Uh, it turns out at the end of the evening, he said he needed a lift home. I wasn't drinking because I often was the designated driver. And so I just offered, friendly offered to drive him home. And in my mind, truly, that's all I was doing. Uh, I realize he may have had or did have other ideas, but honestly, none of these ideas um, crossed my mind. <laughs> I'm a very, I'm a very, um, what you see is what you get, 
what you say is what I interpret. I don't often um, think people mean something different. I mean, I tend to get more analytical now as I get older, as I look at and try to understand, look at and try to understand people's motives. But uh, in general, if someone says the sky is blue, I believe the sky is blue. Anyway, so I happily offered to drive this uh, handsome guy home. And so off we went at around 2 a.m. or whenever the bar closed. And um, then he invited me in and I thought, oh, okay, I'll go in. Uh, still still not really, I mean, uh, nothing, nothing at any point during this evening made me feel like... Uh, I was being wooed or anything or um, shifted, as they say, in in some European countries. <clears throat> but, um, yeah, I went in. We had, I think we had tea or something, which was pretty cool. Sat down, chatted, had a great conversation. And I started feeling all excited and optimistic that life indeed wasn't over for me as a newly divorced uh, woman in her 40s, early 40s. And um, I mean, if I'm if I'm being completely transparent, which is typically the only way I am, I was feeling like, wow, maybe there's potential here. He's a bit younger, but who cares? Maybe life isn't over. <clears throat> he seems nice. Uh, and then after probably about an hour, he invited me to go upstairs. Um, I think at that point I realized, oh, we had kissed in the kitchen. I forgot to mention that. Um, yeah, it was, it was really good. Good kiss. Um, and, uh, gosh, I'm just, my memory is, yeah, we did a little bit of kissing in the kitchen. Um, and then at some point he asked me if I wanted to go upstairs. And at that point I realized where this was going. And in this sort of split section, split second, um, decision, I decided, okay, why not? Um, <laughs> I have nothing to lose. Um, I'm definitely afraid. I don't know this person very well. Obviously it was the first time I'd met him and I'd never, ever even, contemplated, you know, meeting someone and then sleeping with them on the very first meet. It's hard to say um, what was in my mind fully. I definitely think I wasn't thinking much beyond the moment. And I think I was surprised that anything like this was happening to me. Nothing like this had happened before. I didn't really have a dating history prior to my husband. So um, I, I, everything was very new and I didn't, um, I, I didn't think a whole lot and I didn't know a whole lot of what was normal. I suppose that's normal, but for me it was very abnormal, obviously. And as we were walking up the stairs, I remember thinking, I'm really scared, uh, which one might think would have forced me to turn around and go back down the stairs and out the door 
but it didn't because I was also overwhelmingly curious. Um, I mean, I don't think I've feared this person's character. I think I feared the situation and on some uh, rudimentary level recognized the general and overall risk of being in someone's house, a man's house that I didn't know. But up I went anyway, um, much like perhaps when I skydived once and only once in my life and you just realize despite all this fear that you are going to jump out of this plane anyway. <laughs> uh, and when I think about it, I think probably a lot of my life, big life moments are equatable to jumping out of a plane with a parachute. Because there's this overwhelming sense of fear in many scenarios where you get nervous or anxious and wonder what the heck you're doing. And then um, in my case, I just go and do it anyway. Not always. And certainly being a bit older and a mother of three grown sons um, has developed a sense of uh, natural fear and instinct that perhaps I didn't have when I was younger. Up I go anyway, up these stairs, with all these thoughts in my head, fear and excitement, um, hoping I don't get cut into a million pieces and buried in the backyard, um, but also excited that I'm going to experience something new and wondering what that would feel like, but afraid of it at the same time. And we go up to his room, and um, he was a a big, strong guy. He was uh, strong enough to pick me up, toss me lightly onto the bed, and um, I, <laughs> I mean, it was much like you would see in a movie, a romance sex scene in a movie where the intensity and excitement are in the room. Um, everything felt really good, but it was, and it was coupled with a strong sense of wonder and still fear, although I would say the fear as time went on was diminishing and the wonder was increasing. And, um, the amount of energy this guy had, uh, like his sheer physical um, size and strength was surprising. I hadn't been, yeah, it was, uh, I, I, I don't even know if I can say it was necessarily good or earth shattering. It definitely wasn't bad. And I don't think I orgasmed in that sexual experience because I was too busy thinking about everything and feeling the novelty of everything, and um, it, it was a it was a an overwhelming bouquet of emotions and feelings. I think uh, that prevented me from having an orgasm. Um, it's funny. I'm just as I think about that now. <clears throat> yeah, I would know if I had one. <laughs> I guess I'm thinking, did I or didn't I? I'm going to say I didn't because I think it would have been more earth shattering had I an orgasm with this man um and i we did did all that uh fancy romantic sexual stuff 
was pretty um, standard, which is great because I don't know. I mean, I definitely was pretty vanilla and probably am not like a super crazy sexual person even today. I'm more about connection and um, bonding and um, I like the energy too. But uh, I wouldn't say I'm far off the path of whatever might be considered fairly normal in bed. He asked me if I wanted coffee. Um, I think I was, I just, you know, said no thank you and got to go and and um, off I went. And um, I was sort of probably driving home in a bit of a fog. Um... And I, yeah, I remember feeling almost something as fairy taleish as thinking, ooh, maybe this guy won't be my new boyfriend, which is comical. Um, but that just uh, shows how naive I was. Um, so my friends, of course, asked me the next day how everything went, and I told them. And they were cheering me on uh, as this was my first um post-divorce sex and um, I'm glad I didn't uh, get injured (laughs) although the amount of energy he had um, at one point there was so much energy in his body uh, while he was uh, having sex with me that I was afraid he might break me but not afraid enough to to get up or stop because I was still filled with all this wonderment and um, marveling at everything as it was happening, almost as if I was outside of myself watching it um, in a movie or as an experience. Um, I I must have spent the whole next day uh, just on some kind of a cloud of... mm, excitement and um, I decided it would be a really great idea if I baked this man an apple pie. (laughs) I know if you're listening to this you're probably cringing and saying no you didn't (laughs) but we had spoken about it and I was after all bragging about how great my apple pie was and um, I was just so grateful and excited about the whole experience. I I wanted to express gratitude. Uh, I realize now that a total stranger who takes a woman home after a pub is not looking for back to his house. The next day, after having made this deliciously homemade and golden-crusted apple pie, which takes uh, takes a couple hours. I mean, you have to appreciate the work that goes into a homemade pastry and homemade pie. And I drove it over there. I believe the next day was a Sunday because I went, I'm, yeah, I think I went on a weekend. Anyway, um, I don't know when Valentine's Day was, so I'm not sure it was a weekend, but whatever. A day or two later, I made this pie. I drove it over. I was so proud. I knocked on his door. Um, incidentally, as an aside, I had left my socks at his house when I left in a tizzy or flurry of emotions and I was hoping to get my socks back 
because they were very special socks. No, they weren't special socks. <laughs> but um, knocked on the door. <laughs> oh, gosh, I'm picturing it now. Um, <laughs> he, I, The door opens, um, like the inner door. I'm standing outside the screen door holding an apple pie. And he's looking at me with the door not fully open, just kind of enough to get his head around. And um, I realize now it's entirely possible he had another woman up there or in there. But I didn't think of that at the time because I didn't know those things at the time. And uh, he looked at me as if he didn't remember me, which was probably because he was shocked I was there. Sure, he remembered me. And I held up the pie proudly and said, I I made you an apple pie, is what I said. And he looked a bit stunned, paused for a minute, and said, I don't want your apple pie. <laughs> oh my goodness, if the ground could swallow me up, um, I would have welcomed that. I was mortified, horrified, embarrassed-ified, everything-ified that is negative, uh, I did. I didn't know what to do with myself. I, I turned on my heels and went back to my car. Um, he closed his door. He didn't open the screen even. He was speaking at me through the screen door. Uh, and I was started to cry in the car, and I was bawling. And I have this hot apple pie smell in the car. And uh, I, I stopped off at a grocery store nearby and threw the apple pie in the garbage outside the store and drove home. And I had to kind of uh, (laughs) regain my composure because um, my kids were home. (laughs) I, uh, oh my goodness, like who does this sort of thing? I do and did. I, I vowed at that point I would never bake another apple pie for a man again. It's been 10 years. I'm pretty sure I have not baked an apple pie for anyone. 10 years, a man like that. Uh, I probably, I probably it would take a lot for me to do that. Like to, I just would be wanna, would wanna be sure that um, it's gonna be received. But uh, it's funny because in hindsight, I ended up telling a male friend of mine this, and he just said, why on earth would you take an apple pie to someone's house who to, who you went home with uh, after a bar? And when he said it, I realized how stupid it was. But when I was doing it, it didn't occur to me how stupid it was. Um, I can see it now, and I can see that this, uh, this man would have felt I was being a stalker. The second part of this story is that months, months later, um, one of the things I used to do, as, as a side note, one of the things I used to do when I was feeling lonely is I would just go to this very same bar in the evening, buy one drink, sip it slowly, watch all the people, listen to the music, and just get out of my house to kind of survive the quiet and loneliness that I was experiencing. And so months later, one of these times, I had gone out to this pub to just get myself out of my rut and 
into a social environment, even though I wasn't with anybody and I didn't really know anybody there. Uh, I would sit and drink my drink and just watch the people laughing and smiling. And so one of these times I'm there sitting at the bar drinking, I think it was probably a vodka soda. <clears throat> and um, this ma- man across the bar is looking at me and it turns out to be this firefighter guy. And I just am horrified that he's <laughs> recognizing me, looking at me. What must he be thinking? I wanted to just leave. Um, I didn't want to see him or be seen. And so I decided I would ask advice. And so I asked the, the waitress behind the bar. I told her very briefly the story and asked her what she would do. Uh, what or what did she recommend? And she said, "Well, why don't you just take the high road, um, order him a drink of whatever he's drinking, and have it sent over, and just give him a wave, and be an adult about it." So I did just that. I she told me what he was drinking. I ordered him a glass and had it sent over. And when the um, waitress went over to take him his drink, she pointed me out, and I just gave a wave. He gave a wave, and I thought to myself, "There you go. You've." You've handled this like an adult and uh, moved on and you you don't need to run from the pub um, <laughs> covering yourself with your jacket in embarrassment. You take the high road and just hold your head high. So this is what I did. And a few minutes later, he comes over to me where I'm sitting and sits down beside me and start to talk, starts to talk to me. And I'm shocked because of the whole I don't want your pie comment at his door. Uh, to which I thought to myself, you didn't mind it the other day. Um, pie being a euphemism for the lady bits. <laughs> um, yeah, he didn't seem to mind that. But anyway, uh, he's talking to me and I'm realizing he has no idea who I am. And part of me is very feeling very indig- indignant that he can't remember me. I should have been more memorable. And part of me is relieved. And then I thought, no, I'm going to tell him who I am because (laughs) he needs to know who he's talking to. Uh, Creeper, stalkery, apple pie woman. So anyway, I said to him, you don't remember me, do you? And he said, no. And I said, many months ago in February, I brought a homemade apple pie to your door after we spent a night together and he <laughs> he looked pretty shocked uh <laughs> he was a bit speechless after i told him who i was and i said wait a minute before you go i said i have to explain to you um the context of the apple pie uh, i said you i told him he was my first experience um sexual experience after i was divorced and that I was just in a very um, emotional state and that I had enjoyed my time with him uh, and was so grateful that the world wasn't as bleak as I thought it was, uh, that I made him a pie. Plus, he said he liked apple pie. Um, So (laughs) I explained myself and I could see some relief cropping up in his face. His The the muscles in his face relaxed a bit. He smiled and... um, he looked, and I said, I'm not crazy or weird or stalkery. 
Uh, you just have to understand my perspective on that day. So he seemed to take that in stride. He seemed to get the idea that I wasn't nuts, <laughs> which was relieving. And then he did something even more shocking. He asked for my number. So, yep, he took my number and he gave me his number and he said he wanted to meet up again, uh, which was also shocking. And so I actually did meet him one more time and that was it. And he did actually inform me that uh, somewhere in a big city nearby where I live, there is a fire station where all the guys know me as the apple pie lady. So I'm famous for something, not by name, but uh, by action. Um, so that's my that's my little story of uh, <laughs> naivety and noviceness or novelty into the world of being single. Um, I don't know what it's like for everyone else because. There aren't as many people who share their vulnerable um, experiences, but I find vulnerability very curious, and uh, I tend to be a pretty vulnerable human and very open. So this was my experience, and I, I don't know that anyone else would make someone a pie after they had sex with them, but um, I did, and I haven't done it since. Probably I will not do it again unless... Uh, I'm in a relationship or at least something that indicates there is some meaning there. Uh, since that's what my standards are now, is I'm looking for meaning. Um, yeah, so there you have it. That's my story for today, is uh, the post-coital apple pie bake-off. <laughs> oh, gosh. I mean, if we can't laugh at ourselves, what can we do? If we didn't laugh, we'd probably cry. And uh, the world has too much crying and too many tears, so I might as well just laugh and, you know, you just look at yourself and realize that life is just about learning and we don't know things until we know them. Uh, and we're naive until we're not. So I refuse to feel any kind of shame or embarrassment, although I suppose there is a little bit of embarrassment, certainly not shame. Um, but now I just... Uh, I see it for this very heartfelt action of gratitude, and I was a very just sweet, honest, open person. I'm still sweet and honest and open. I'm just not nearly as naive as I used to be. Um, but I guess sometimes I still am. I forget life lessons sometimes. That's a problem. You learn something, and then uh, I get caught up in a moment of excitement or or newness or learning and I forget some of my previous learning. Not always and usually, but anyway, <laughs> that's probably going to come up in some other, some other uh, session of chatting. So with that, I'll leave you and um, talk to you next time.